Hey, thanks for joining and welcome to Shift, PwC Canada's podcast series, where we go behind the scenes with Canada's leading organizations to hear their digital transformation stories. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, Executive Creative Director here at PwC Canada, and I'm a lover of the Internet of Things. Calling all gadget geeks, this episode is for you. We have a great Canadian innovation story coming your way. I was lucky enough to sit down with Stuart Lombard, founder and CEO of Ecobee. In this episode, he shares how he decided to bring the thermostat to the 21st century, fueled by a desire to create an intuitive, connected, and eco-conscious home. We chat about competing against the world's largest tech companies, continuously innovating, and the future of smart homes. Have a listen. I hope you enjoy it, and I really hope you learn something too. We're here with Stuart Lombard, CEO of Ecobee, and we're going to be talking about a helpful home. So it's been, I'm sure, uh, an incredible journey for the company to get to this point. I mean, how did you guys come about to do this? We started the business with really a, a simple idea and an insight. And the simple idea was, um, you know, how can we help people conserve energy, save money, reduce their environmental footprint? Um, and the insight we had was that heating and cooling is 40 to 70% of your home's energy use. So actually better managing your heating and cooling is the best thing you can do. And at the time, I was trying to reduce my environmental input. So I bought the solar panels. I was on my way to buy the Prius. And my wife was like, honey, this ain't happening. Okay, <laughs> We're not doing this, right? And um, so I said, like, okay, I'll program my thermostat. And at the time, thermostats were, you know, dumb as a doorknob. They were impossible to use. And one day we came home and we had um, three kids under the age of four. And our house was 10 degrees. And my oh, wife yeah. was like, okay, one of you is going. So either you were the thermostat, but I'm not doing this anymore, right? And that was really the genesis for how we, how, we, how we started. And so it was really about, you know, thinking thoughtfully about, you know, how can we help people solve this problem? Because we believe that people have the power to change the world. And we believe that if you give people the right tools, they can make a significant difference and we can change the world for the better. And, and that's really how we started the business. Where'd the name come from? Oh, it was part of a long focus group at the very beginning uh, when we started the business. When we started the business, there were like three engineers, and um, and my sister said, like, three engineers, you guys need to do some branding. And so we did focus groups, and I remember we were explaining the concept to people, and you're you know sitting behind the two-way glass, mm-hmm. and people aren't getting it, and I'm like pulling my hair out, and like, anyway, out of that came the name uh, Ecobee, and it's really, I think, about, um, you know, a few things. Um, one is obviously, um, you know, we, we have an environmental uh, positioning to our product. We are really trying to help people um, reduce their environmental footprint, um, but bees are also social animals. They uh, help each other out. They live in hives. They actually air condition their hives, and so there are lots of reasons why, you know, bees work well with what we're trying to accomplish. It's fun. Yeah, the, the, the packet, it's just, it's just a great brand. I'm super into gadgets, as many of you know. I do have an Ecobee smart thermostat. Great. You know, the thing I love about where new gadgets are going and, and new, we'll call it smart devices, is how simple they are for uh, customers to install. Tell me a little bit about really making um, a connection with customers right out of the box. Well, I think the first thing is, 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 you know, we tell people we compete with Apple. And it's not because Apple makes thermostats, but it's because the experience that we want to give consumers is the same one that you have when you take your phone out of your pocket. And if it's not that good, then consumers would say, like, 
it's cra- kind of crappy, right? right? So I think that's the first thing is how do you create a really um, awesome experience? And then some people are, are, are tech focused and they, they love new gadgets. And if you think about the way we live our lives, our lives are now revolve around our phones. And so the ability to control my heating and cooling on my, on my phone is an awesome experience. And then we can use science to basically help you reduce your greenhouse gas emissions. So I have $26,000 of solar panels on my, roo- on my roof. I have a $250 Ecobee. My Ecobee saves me 80% as much energy as my $26,000 in solar panels. It is a massive impact. And that's because we're thinking thoughtfully about, we learn the way your home performs, we learn about weather, we learn your occupancy patterns, and all those things go together to help you save money, but also make sure that you're comfortable. I love it. So what do you think people are saying about Ecobee versus Nest? If they had to kind of talk about one versus the other, I'm just curious what what you think? You know, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I tell people when we started, you know, we were the only smart thermostat in the category and people were giving us high fives and it was really exciting and all that kind of stuff. And then Nest came out. Nest was created by a gentleman named Tony Fidel and, and he was the gentleman who uh, created the iPod. It was really like, you know, the godfather of consumer electronics. And, and so when Nest came out, it was like, oh, geez, right? Because, you know, we thought we were champions. We thought we had had this awesome product and all that stuff, but we were really champions of the North Toronto Minor Bantam Hockey League. We weren't playing in the NHL. And so really credit to the team. What we did was we really retooled and we went back and really changed the way we did everything. And that has created a significantly better company. And we believe that we are really focused on innovating, on really solving problems for consumers. And so when you look at things like room sensors, for example, we, you know, we invented room sensors. We were the first to come out with a mobile app. We were the first to support Apple HomeKit. We were supposed the first with Alexa voice integration. And so it's really about, you know, innovating, but at the same time, innovating with a purpose, which is how do we solve problems for customers? So when you said that um, you retooled or rethought about how the company operates, it went from what to what? I think the core thing is, um, you know, we always set a high bar, but I'm not sure we realized how high the bar needs to be, right? And so I liken it to kind of when I was in high school and, you know, you'd put in a paper and if you got B, you were like, wow, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty good, right? And the reality is, I think, to succeed in consumer electronics, you have to provide a 97, 98, 99% experience where consumers think it's crap, you know, and that's how high the bar is. And that's why I say, you know, when we think about how we compete, we compete with Apple because, you know, yeah, they don't make thermostats, but that's the experience that that consumers have come to expect. What is your stance on net new innovation versus taking things that exist and optimizing them or new uses or whatever? And I'll give you an example. So Ecobee does a great job of integrating Alexa or weather data or all these different things and bringing them together to create something new. I would say that's kind of taking existing and kind of, you know, putting it to new use versus, hey, we're going to come out with a brand new way of doing X or Y. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? We're doing both, right? And I think, um, you know, I think innovation is really about integrative thinking more than anything else, right? And so I think the people who are innovating are a lot of the time being able to, like, see something in some in a field that's maybe totally unrelated and relating it back to what you're doing over here and creating a new product or a or a new functionality or a new way of doing things and so a lot of innovation i think is around that the other thing that we've done is we've opened up ecobee labs and ecobee labs is really about creating dedicated time space and resources to just work on problems right and i think you know as a product company um, often you're on a product release timeline, right? So you're trying to get this out for that quarter. You know, we need to get this out for the, you know, holiday shopping season as an example, right? I love the fact, if I'm hearing you right, you're creating a culture of innovation. You're giving your employees permission to imagine, 
and you're allocating resource and time to do that. Has it backfired at all? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think, you know, when we think about our strategic, strategic framework and how we win, being the innovator in the space is a core part of our strategic framework. And I think it, it falls into what are our core values. And, and you know, there, two of our core values are really important. The first one is this idea of transparency. And transparency is really about how do we make sure people have access to the information they need to do their jobs well. And so we've really tried to be thoughtful about eliminating any silos, any barriers. Nobody has offices. Not even I have an office, right? You can ask me any question, any time, and I should get it. You know, I should be able to give you the best answer I can, but also in the way that we construct our office. And so if you walked into our office, uh, we have a town square. And we have a town square because anthropology says that people have, you know, got together in town squares for centuries to share ideas, learn news, and all that kind of stuff. All our hallways are at least 10 feet wide, so you can carry on a conversation of three or four people and you never have to stop. Um, all of our wall- Is that right? Yeah. All of our walls are, are whiteboard walls. So, you know, if you have an idea, you can jot it down. You know, we believe people learn visually. Um, we give people tools. So we have things like creative labs that have all kinds of like, you know, construction paper and markers and sticky posts and plasticine. And, you know, we have 3D printers. And so, you know, really trying to enable people to, to be creative, but then also giving them time. So we do things like hackathons mm-hmm. um, where, you know, people spend two or three days and they can work on ideas that they like to. And, you know, there's some amazing things that come out of those hackathons. And really this idea that good ideas can come from anywhere. And how do you enable your employee base who are working most directly with customers who are on the front lines, who are seeing, you know, challenges and opportunities to surface those uh, in an awesome way. And, and so we try and do a lot of those things. Amazing. I love it. Are you surprised at how quickly sort of home automation has become a bit massified? How yep. you know lucrative it is? How how um, willing and open people are to adopt it? I think connected home is probably one of the you know three most interesting areas in consumer electronics right now. And if you had have told me that when we started, I would have never believed it. Right. And I think you know especially that thermostats would be at the center of that connected home, right? And, I mean, it's interesting because when I started, um, I had this cushy job. I was working as a partner in a venture capital firm. So I was, you know, 44th floor of a tower. I had an assistant. I was like, whatever. And I gave it all up to start a thermostat company. And my wife and my friends were like, you are crazy. You know, why why are you doing this? Nobody cares about thermostats. And what are you going to do six months from now? And the implication was that thermostats were as good as they were ever going to be. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're very focused on is this idea of continuous learning. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you think about our products today, you know, we're talking about machine learning and AI. We're talking about voice recognition. We're talking about, you know, digital assistance, all kinds of things around smart grid. And, you know, when we started, people say, like, how did you start the company? Like, were you in the HVAC business or, you know, did you know consumer electronics? None of us had ever created a consumer electronics product before. And none of us had ever been in the heating and cooling business. But I think we had this core belief that if you can open up a book, you can learn anything, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's carried through. One of the things I'm really excited about for the company is that it's really sort of carried through, and you see it every day. Every day we're learning something new. Every day we're different, and we're a very different company today than we were three years ago, than we were when we started, and we'll be a very different company three years from now. So I heard through the grapevine that you can spend days of your time answering calls, uh, service calls yourself. Tell me a little bit about that. What's up with that? I think we're very focused on consumer-led innovation, and consumer-led innovation is really about understanding what your customers are saying. And I think, you know, certainly, um, you know, as we've gotten bigger, it's been easy for me to sit in the office I don't have and, you know, <laughs> say, hey, 
everything is wonderful, right? But actually getting down into the trenches and listening to your customers and hearing what they have to say, you know, is incredibly valuable and therapeutic. And every time I do it, I come back with insights or ideas about what we could do or maybe things that we should fix or things that don't make sense. And, you know, we encourage everyone in the business to do it. When we started, actually, everybody in the company used to get every single customer service email. Hmm. Um, we can't do that anymore. No. But it's really that idea of how do you understand what your customers are saying about you. Right. When you're on the phone with customers, do you tell them who you are? Depends. Sometimes I do. I'm just the particularly kidding. difficult ones I do. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm, you have an irate customer and it helps to say, well, do you know you're speaking to the CEO yeah. of the company? And then some of them are like, go on. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, I'm really, I'm really irate right now. Let me speak to your manager. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> I'm the CEO. So Let's talk about privacy for a sec. So do you feel like people give a, a moment's th- thought around the privacy. There's been, especially around Alexa, there's been so much in the news and people talking about that, privacy concerns. Let's talk a little bit about that. And what do you say to skeptics who are wary of either, you know, oh, this is something that's going to break. I'll just stick with the mercury mm-hmm. uh, thermostat. Thank you very much. Or I'm worried about Alexa listening to me. Or what are you using my thermostat data for, my queries? Privacy is, a, is, is really important. And it's something that, that people care about. And, and so... You know, we've been very thoughtful about about privacy, and we believe that customers' data belongs, frankly, to customers. And so it's not ours to decide what to do with. It's really yours to decide what to do with. You know, one of the things that I think makes us very different than than lots of other companies in the space is what our business model is. And so we're not trying to monetize you by selling advertising, or we don't have some other business model. We consider ourselves invited guests into your home. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we want to do well, you know, we need to provide products and services that you value and we need to be good guests in your home. And when we stop being good guests, you're going to say, thank you very much. But, you know, you're out of here. And so, you know, we really live that, you know, every single day. It's about being really explicit about how we think about your data, what we do with it, those types of things in a, you know, in a very transparent way. Consumer electronics, um, home automation, all the smart stuff. It's a very competitive industry for talent. So how do you keep morale high and you know how do you develop talent and really make sure that people are kind of performing their best and, and not losing sight of what the company stands for we're trying to create the the company that we all always wanted to work for you know as entrepreneurs we have the opportunity to to actually you know create a different future right and and to you know it was interesting we were sitting in the room and we were like yeah, we, I think we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Like we're in charge, right? And so we try and and, and create first of all uh a company that people want to work for. And, and, and so that's about a company that has strong values, that has a point of view, uh, that sticks to that point of view, and that maybe does some things that, that people wouldn't think we would do, right? And so one of the things we have is a program we call A Better Tomorrow. And A Better Tomorrow is all about how we make our cities more sustainable. And so we're working with community housing groups where we donate literally thousands and thousands of thermostats to help bridge the energy poverty gap. Um, we're also working with researchers and all kinds of institutions, really trying to solve all kinds of problems, everything from energy efficiency problems to how do we help seniors live longer in their homes. And one of the very cool things we did is we worked with this group in Indiana, and we proved that they didn't need to build a billion-dollar gas-fired generation plant. And so we saved the ratepayers of Indiana a billion dollars, um, but we also saved massive amounts of greenhouse gas emissions and those types of things. And so I think, you know, if you think about the future you want to have and and, and how you create a, a company that's both compelling for consumers but compelling place to work, you know, you can be both aspirational and build a good business. 
and one of the things we say is that we're very optimistic about the future because we believe that we can help people create a better future. So what do you think the future holds? As I said, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. I think, you know, there's lots of uh, negative news about climate change that you read almost every single day. But yeah. the reality is, is that there are three seminal trends that will change the future of climate change. The first is that renewables are the cheapest energy that's out there today. Um, and so if you're in California, you can buy renewable solar power at two cents a kilowatt hour. It is the cheapest power. It's cheaper than the fuel that actually goes into a gas-fired power plant, right? And so over time, you're going to see more and more renewables come on the grid. The second is electrification of transportation. And so if you've met anyone who has an electric car, they will tell you, hands down, it is a better car today already, right? That trend is only going to continue in, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we'll all be driving electric cars, not only because it's good for the environment, but also because they're just way better. And then the third thing is increased urbanization. With increased urbanization, people tend to live in smaller dwellings, and people living in smaller dwellings tend to consume less energy. And so overall, you're going to see a significant reduction in the amount of greenhouse gases that that come over the next, call it 10 to 20 years. Um, And I think that bodes incredibly well for the future. Is there anything else that you could talk about what you're working on right now that's really getting you excited? I think, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning will change the world. And I think they will change the world not dissimilarly to the way that the Internet changed the world. Um, And we're really at the forefront of that revolution. And I think it will change the world in so many different ways. And almost like the Internet, where it's really impacted virtually everything we do, I think you will see machine learning and AI, you know, change the way we do everything and we use it today to do everything from predicting like how many thermostats we're going to sell in a best buy store on a given day to you know how do we make our products easier and more intuitive to use right and and it's uh it's really amazing what those tools can do for you i can't wait until um whether it's my thermostat or my home automation greets me when i come in yep yeah i don't know if anybody's doing that right now but I, I would love it to be that kind of thing where, you, you know, you walk in and say, hello, John, yeah. welcome home. Would you like me to set the temperature to 18 yes. degrees and yeah. pour you a drink or whatever? Yeah. My future companions are always English. I think those are all reality, right? Yeah. Like, I think those are all coming and they're all, you know, within the next three to five years for sure. All right. Welcome to the lightning round, where we put you in the hot seat to learn a little bit more about who you are outside your day job. Best place you've ever traveled? China. Was it on work, for work? I was in China. I lived in China in 1992. And uh, at that time, China in that period and where I was right in the middle of central China was, uh, was unbelievable. Wicked. I've not been there. I want to go. Favorite movie? I don't watch movies. Biggest pet peeve? I would say it is Dishes in the Sink. Dishes in the Sink. If you could meet uh, three people who have passed on, who would they be? Ben Franklin would be number one. Ben Franklin. Hmm. Uh, ben Franklin's amazing. If you get a chance to read his biography, amazing what he was able to accomplish. Uh, so Ben Franklin would be one. I think Leonardo da Vinci would be two. And maybe uh, Einstein would be three. Wow. That says a lot about you. I, I'm totally getting a good picture of you right now. I'd like to come to that dinner. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Well, you didn't say people who were still alive. So no, no, no. That's great. But, I mean, it's like they're all very similar in a way, right? Inventors, yeah, no, they're super entre- similar. Yeah, very cool. Favorite food? Yes. Well, let me ask you Brussels this. Brussels sprouts. How about that? Okay, okay. wow. I was, I was going to say, if it's not favorite food, uh, do you like breakfast, lunch, or dinner the best? Uh, breakfast. Breakfast. You don't no, have Brussels one. sprouts don't go for breakfast. They don't really go for breakfast. No. My wife does these Brussels sprouts where they're pan fried. They're yeah. so good. I love yeah, them. those are awesome. Yeah. 
What is the best piece of advice that someone's uh, ever given you? Be focused. Are you scattered or that was just something they just said? I think, you know, uh, when you when you start a business, you think you're going to be like the Maytag repairman, which is maybe I'm dating myself, but this mm-hmm. sort of idea that, you know, you're going to sit there at your at your office or your desk and nobody's going to call and you're going to be worried, what am I going to do next? And I think the reality is, is that once you get into it, there's so many options and so many things you could do that, you know, really focusing on the things that are really important um, and cutting everything else out is really the key to success. And so being focused, being able to say no, that is the, the hardest part, I think. Awesome. Well, that wraps up another episode of Shift. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stuart, thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us and sharing some insights about Ecobee the company and how much you like Brussels sprouts, which I do too. Hopefully, everybody got something out of it. And thanks so much for creating a great product. I love my Ecobee, and I certainly recommend it to my friends when they come over. It's right in the front. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com slash ca slash shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. And make sure you rate us too. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Have an idea for Shift? We want to hear it. Let us know on social by submitting your idea with hashtag ShiftPodcast. Just so you know, this podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.